coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Pick up the phone, give us a call right now because we are here to help you improve your house. The number is 1-888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Coming up on today's show, do you have a new flat screen TV? Perhaps you pick one up just in time for the big game. Well, we want to make sure you hang it properly so that flat screen does not fall flat on the ground. We'll have those TV hanging tips coming up. And also ahead, are your wood floors or carpeting fading near your windows? Well, too much sunlight streaming in can actually damage your flooring and your furniture. We're going to tell you about a window fix that will not only solve that problem, but a host of others as well. Plus, we've got snowstorm survival tips to help you when it comes time to dig out. And we're taking your calls about your home improvement projects. So let's get to it. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Byron in Arizona is on the line and has a question about a log home. How can we help you? I am planning on building a a log cabin kit, and uh, eight inch logs were in very cold climate, uh, seventy four hundred feet elevation, and uh, wondering uh, if I need to insulate the inside of the logs or if the logs will give enough thermal mass to insulate the house itself. Well, you mentioned you're going to be in a very cold climate, and generally if you're building a log a home in a very cold climate, uh, most people will insulate those logs. And typically that's done by adding furring strips and then some sort of a sheet insulation like uh, an isocyanurate insulation or a Dow foam board type insulation. And the other advantage to doing that is it makes the wiring a little bit easier. You don't have to drill the logs to run the wires. You can uh, use that insulation space to also run all your wiring. Okay, yeah, I, I, we were hoping to keep the log uh, logs exposed just for looks, but we might be able to do that by some on the outside of the furring strips with some planks or something. Well, I think it will be warmer if you insulate them, but I mean, let's if if you want to just leave it raw for now, you could always go back and do the insulation later. I mean, those logs are going to have you know some thermal mass to them especially since they're eight inches thick. But I think generally the building practice would be in, in a very harsh climate to try to insulate the inside of those walls. I think I'll take your advice and insulate and then, like I say, use some wood planks to make it look more like log on the inside. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, thank you very much for your assistance. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Susan's on the line with a cold water shower that I imagine she doesn't like very much. Tell us what's going on. <laughs> rather shocking. I can imagine. (laughs) The hot water faucet in the upstairs shower is the only hot water faucet that does this, is when I adjust the hot water and it's right, a good mix with the cold water, dip in the shower, then all of a sudden the hot water stops flowing and the um, water turns cold. It's almost like the Faucet shut itself off or... What kind of water heater do you have, Susan? Is it uh, gas or electric? Gas. And does this problem exist with any other fixture in the bathroom or the house for that matter? No, it's the only one that works that way. Um, the, the, hot, the kitchen does not do that. The other bathroom sinks and faucets don't do so that. So this is a single-handle faucet? No, it's a, they're two handles, separate handles. Well, I mean, I think you got a bad valve in there somewhere. Because if it's just happening in one location like that, that, that's the only thing it could be. We have plenty of hot water for the rest of the house. I suspect that there's a problem with the valve. You might just want to replace the, the, the faucet set. Oh, okay. 
that would I make just sense. Why, that, why, would, why would that do that? I'll just speculate here. As the water heats up the pipe, the metal expands and, and causes the valve to squeeze shut a little bit or something like that. I mean, there are a lot of reasons oh. it could happen, but I think it's mechanical because it's only happening in one location. So That's it has fair. to be the valve. It's, it's not, there's yeah. nothing mysterious about this. It's got to be the valve. All right. Well, great. Thank you for the... What, what you might want to think about when you replace this is talk to your plumber about something called a pressure balancing valve. Now, I'm not sure if he'll be able to find this for this kind of configuration that you have, but what a pressure balancing valve does is it keeps the mix ratio between hot and cold steady, regardless of what's happening in the rest of the house. So that if you were to hop in the shower and somebody else flushes a toilet somewhere, you don't get sort of that shock of hot or shock of cold water as uh, one fixture sort of steals water from the other, it keeps the ratio the same. So while you may have less or more water, the temperature of the water never changes. If you're going to spend the money on a plumber and valves, I would definitely look into getting a pressure-balanced valve set if I could. Well, I'm glad to know about that. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project, Susan, and thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. All right, our next caller is a Facebook fan of the Money Pit, and he's calling in from Wisconsin. We've got Antoine on the line, who's got a pellet stove question. How can we help you? My house is about 1,000 square foot, and uh, I wanted to put in a pellet stove. Okay. And uh, I was wondering what would be the best location and the best way to ventilate it. Okay, good question. Now, first of all, hooray for the choice of a pellet stove. A very green energy choice, lots of options. Uh, pellet stoves are affordable. The fuel's affordable. Um, they work very, very well. You fill them up and literally can walk away from them. Um, they, they, Since it's not tied into a central heating system, you want it to be centrally located so you get the best amount of heat distribution outside of it. Very, very important that you follow the National Fire Safety Protection uh, Organization standards for installation of that because they do get very, very hot. How you install it, um, it depends on where you're putting it. For example, the average wood stove needs about three feet of space uh, behind it to combustibles. However, if you build a heat shield, then you can move it closer. I've seen them as close as 12 inches if they're installed with with uh, heat shields, which basically create sort of a wall that's vented that the heat can sort of pass over and the air can pass over and it can remain cool. Um, going up to the attic, same situation. You typically use a triple wall pipe, triple wall vent pipe to take that hot gas out. And again, it has to be installed correctly. So it's not the kind of project that I would recommend that you do if you've never installed one before because of the specialty knowledge you need to make sure it's done safely, Antoine. So if you want to shop it, buy it, get it in the store, get it in the house, that's great. But I would definitely consider having a a contractor that's built these before do the actual installation for you. I would also make sure that you have the local fire marshal inspect the installation uh, for you to make sure that it's done correctly. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit and for liking the Money Pit page on Facebook, which is at facebook.com slash the Money Pit. And by the way, if you would head on over to facebook.com slash the Money Pit and like our page, you could also get priority access to the radio show as we produce it. 
You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Give us a call with your home repair or your home improvement question 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're here to give you a hand. You know how to reach us, 888-MONEY-PIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, are you ready to hang a new flat screen TV? Well, let's make sure it doesn't end up crashing flat on the ground. We'll tell you how next. You live in a Money Pit. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, do you want a quick way to give your bathroom a facelift? Well, why not update your grout? You can clean it, you can repair it, or you can replace it, and you'll have a little more sparkle in that bathroom as a result. The entire project can happen in just a day. We've got the step-by-step on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. Stephen, Kentucky's on the line with a roofing question. Tell us what's going on. Hi, Leslie. Well, I've got a little 1930s, uh, early 30s farmhouse uh, okay. that we're restoring and, and trying to uh, get a little environmental project going up there. And um, we um, have a couple of leaks. Uh, we've, we've had a record rainfall down here in Louisville uh, this last year, and we noticed that when it's a really hard rain out of the west, that um, along the seams of the old tin roof, um, we we get, well, it's like a wetness, and then it turns into a drip in different locations. And I'm just wondering what's the proper way to, to seal something like that up um, where we don't have to, you know, pull the whole roof to, to get it. Now, what kind of tin roof do you have? Is it a flat seam or metal roof, or is it a standing seam metal roof? It's a standing seam metal roof. Okay, and has it ever been covered with tar or anything like that? To try to see no, that. it's still the original tin. Okay. It so, has a little paint on it. Right. I mean, that's a good thing because typically the way you fix those is you solder them. And to do that, you have to strip the paint off, identify the sort of worn-out area. There's probably a worn-out, cracked, rusted-out area, and the repair would be to solder it. And that's actually a good thing, Steve, because if you solder it, it's sort of a lifetime repair. What happens with these too many of these metal roofs, though, is that folks don't want to take sort of the long approach to this repair, and they will cover it with tar 
or caulk or something of that nature. And in doing so, eventually the water gets underneath that and then it's seriously rusted out pretty quickly. Right. So the secret to success here is to try to find somebody who's been around long enough that knows how to resolder a metal roof and that will fix it permanently. Okay. And I'm assuming that that's probably some specialized tools then. Well, just the right just the right size torches and solder and all that sort of thing. Yeah, but the guys that do metal roofs have those tools. Great. And is that, I guess, uh, maybe, maybe I ought to go up there with them if I can get them to fix it. I'll watch and, and learn a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, then um, you'll be able to do it yourself next time, right? Maybe so. Maybe so. Well, I appreciate uh, the, the advice, and I'll, I'll look along that path. And uh, just want to let you know that we really enjoy your all show down here in Louisville. Well, thank you so very much, and, and good luck with that project. Remember, when you're working with that, uh, with that heat up in that roof, too, that there's a fire hazard associated with this repair, too. So just make sure that you're super, super careful. Okay, Steve? We don't want you to call us back and ask us how to rebuild the building as the next call, okay? <laughs> I think I'll put somebody with, with a, a fire extinguisher in the attic, and uh, we'll do it on a cool spring day. Okay, so you finally picked up the new flat-screen TV and just in time for the big game. But now, how are you going to get it up on the wall? If you don't do that job right, that flat-screen is going to fall flat on the ground. Yeah, that would be really, really bad. (laughs) Then all you have are wings and beer. And really, what is that without the big game? (laughs) Well, guys, you got to remember that most of your flat-screen TVs don't come with a mounting bracket. So you're going to be shopping for one. And that's a good thing because you can choose the TV bracket that best suits your needs and your home. But first, you've got to check the owner's manual because your particular flat-screen TV might need a particular size, brand. I mean, there's a whole host of things you have to look for in a bracket. So check that manual first. Now, when you choose your bracket, you got options. You can go with a flat wall mount, a tilting mount, or an articulating mount. Now, flat's going to hang your TV pretty much like a painting. The tilting will allow an up or down movement, and that's a good idea if your TV will be perhaps a little higher than eye level. You want to tilt it down towards your eye level. And the articulating mount, well, that also goes side to side. So lots of options there. Yeah, you also want to make sure that you know your TV's weight, and you want to look for a bracket that's VESA compatible. Now, VESA is the Video Electronics Standards Association, and they set the standards for flat screen TV mounting brackets. So you want to make sure that the bracket you choose is in compliance with their standards. Now you want to choose a good location, one without a lot of glare that's near plenty of outlets. But most importantly, find the studs and make sure you're drilling into at least two wall studs when you're hanging that flat screen TV bracket. Don't attempt to hang it into drywall or paneling alone because it will come crashing down. If you'd like more detailed step-by-step instructions, they're online right now at moneypit.com. Susan and George is on the line with a cleaning question. How can we help you today? Hi. I, my husband and I have purchased a 1920 Craftsman house. Okay. That's okay. a beautiful home. Oh, it is stunning. It, well, it will be. It's been neglected. <laughs> <laughs> and all the interior walls um, that we've exposed so far have antique heartwood pine. Okay. And so my question is, not only cleaning, it's kind of threefold. First, I need to clean it. Um, it has it hasn't been cleaned in years, um, you know. And what is the best way to do that? As well as after I clean it, I was thinking, you know, I, what is the best way to restore it? The wood is dry and maintain it. So when you say restore it, I mean, do you want to refinish these pine walls? Yes, I do. Okay. They are. I mean, they're. It's antique heartwood pine. They're. I mean, they're. 
they can be really, really pretty. Yeah, <laughs> but because they can the be. house has, you know, some it had old coal fireplaces, mm-hmm. so they are yeah. just so really dirty. grungy. Well, I would say clean it first, then we know how much more work you have to do, right, Leslie? Yeah. What do you clean it with? Well, because it's wood, you can't use a lot of moisture, but I would try something like Murphy's oil soap. And that's okay to do on unfinished wood? Yeah. I mean, doesn't it, it probably has some sort of base finish on it, does it not? No, it does not. There's no finish on it at all? No. We actually, when we purchased the house, they had put up wallpaper on it. A new idea. If it's completely unfinished, then you're going to have to sand it. So I would start with one section, and I would lightly sand it and see where it goes. I would use a medium grit, like a, like a 100, 150 grit, and take it from there. Now, I would you know, sand it very carefully by hand to start with, just to kind of see what I'm working with. If it looks like it's going to work out for you, then I would definitely rent or even buy, they're not that expensive, a vibrating sander. And I actually tried sanding it in one area that's going to be a water heater closet. And it didn't work so well. There was so much, I guess, uh, tannic acid or in it. Mm-hmm. It was it, it wasn't working very well. If you want to try cleaning it with something else that's a little more um, heavy duty, you could try TSP. And since you've got this water heater closet, this could be your experimental room. Right. But you could use trisodium phosphate, which is something that you can buy uh, in a home center. It's usually near the wallpaper in and the paint, paint section. And you mix it up with water, and it's pretty good at pulling stuff out of, pulling stains out of things. But I've never used it on raw wood. I don't see it why you couldn't give it a try, though. Yeah, it hasn't. It actually, um, you know, I didn't know if mineral spirits or... No, 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 no. That's going to do nothing but set it. Um, I would try the TSP, but... If that doesn't work, you're just going to have to sand this. And okay, that's you're, fine. You're going to sand enough to eventually cut through it. I mean, it's not black all the way through, so eventually you're going to cut through to fresh wood. Right. And then once you sand it, what you're probably going to do is stain it, and that will even out the color. So I would use a Minwax stain, oil-based Minwax stain, and I would stain it to even out the color, and then I would finish it with a clear finish. Perfect. You have answered my question, and I'm so glad I talked to you. I didn't realize the mineral, you know, mineral spirits would set it, so thank you guys so very much. Tuan in Nebraska is on the line with some help on an insulation project. What can we do for you? The home is built in 1935, and I like to insulate the exterior walls. What would be the best way to do that? Either foam or blow-in insulation. So you are confident that there's no insulation in those exterior walls right now, Tuan? There's none in there. I'm, I'm very confident. So... Because we don't want to have you open up all the walls, probably the best thing to do is to do blown-in insulation. That could be blown in from the interior or from the exterior, uh, depending on how where you would like to patch it. To blow-in insulation, they drill holes that are about an inch to an inch and a half in diameter, and then usually you use cellulose that's blown in under a slight pressure. And it's important to work with a company that's very experienced with the product because they have ways to make sure it gets to all the spaces it's supposed to get to uh, and accounts for settling of it. For example, one of the ways to do that is after the insulation is installed, um, they'll use an infrared camera to basically scan all your walls and look for cold spots. That would indicate a place where insulation uh, did not get to. So I think blown in is, is, is the way to go with that thermal verification. Okay. So thermal, ask for a thermal verification. Yeah, and it really shouldn't be anything extra. It should just be part of their tools, because otherwise, how do they know they're getting insulation everywhere it should be? I would also tell you to to make sure you double-check the amount of insulation you have in 
your attic because as uncomfortable you think you might be because of those walls, uh, they are actually responsible for a very small part of the heat loss compared to the attic. So you want to make sure that the insulation overhead uh, in your part of the country is like 15 to 20 inches of fiberglass insulation. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Tuan. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. Still ahead, harsh sunlight, it can damage your carpeting and your wood floors. But there is a solution that will keep the sun's rays at bay. We're going to tell you about tinting your home's windows after this. 888 Money Pit. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. MONEYPIT. Where home solutions live, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, during cold, dreary winter days, there's nothing that you want to feel more and see than the sun. If the sun can not only heat up your home, the UV rays could be damaging as well. Yeah, unless you know how to protect those rays from getting into your house. Here to tell us one way is Charles Bonfilio, the president and CEO of Tint World. Welcome, Charles. Hi, how are you folks? Uh, pleasure to be here. So, Charles, uh, window film actually has a, a number of benefits to it. Um, first off, people used to just put this in when they had, say, expensive uh, furniture to protect or, or carpeting and, and that sort of thing. And it still works well for that. But uh, today's window films actually have some energy-saving benefits as well, don't they? Oh, yeah. That's, it's one of the, the biggest reasons why people would put window film on is to uh, lower their energy costs and protect the interior from, you know, the outside element of the solar energy that comes into the home. So how does it actually do that? Like, just, just kind of talk us through what happens when the sunlight hits the window. Well, when, when the sunlight hits the window and the rays, it's the UV rays and the heat that comes in, the solar energy comes in. And as you said earlier, it actually can fade your interior, your carpets, your drapery, your flooring, but it also is bringing in the heat. 
And the way the film is constructed, it actually reflects that heat out of the home uh, and basically, therefore, saving you up to 80 percent heat rejection that would normally be coming to the home. Now, Charles, because this coating goes on your window on the interior, should there ever be, say, like a hurricane or something gets thrown through the glass? Will it protect your home from the glass coming in? Yes, there's, there's standard solar energy window films that go on your home, but they also have security films that have the same uh, benefits of regular window film, but they're much thicker and have a certain glue that locks the glass fragments together. Sort of like on the windshield of your car. If you broke it, it may crack, but it will not fall into pieces. Interesting. So we're talking to Charles Bonfiglio. He's the president and CEO of Tint World. So Charles, um, applying these window films, is this a do-it-yourself project? Or is it something that you kind of really have to turn to a pro to get done? Um, I, it really wouldn't be good for you to try to do it if you haven't done this before. It takes it's a tedious job. It just takes time and skill. Um, I would recommend a professional window film installer. They know how to put it in, uh, install it properly. Um, and most of the windows, uh, you know, when you're doing the film inside the homes, you have to clean the windows very well. You have to remove all drapery or any window treatments and uh, really do a clean job, make sure it's adhered properly to the, to the film, to the window, and it, that it, it fits perfect. So, Charles, is the window film something that you keep up year-round, or you just apply it for wintertime? Um, actually, the window film does a dual purpose. It's both for winter and summer. In the winter, um, you, you know, you're keeping your home inside warm, and it, the uh, window film actually keeps the heat in the house, reducing your energy bill. In the summertime, you have the heat coming into your windows, and actually um, making the air conditioning work a lot harder. So uh, it'll keep up to 80% of the heat rejected out of your home, therefore saving your energy bills and costs from 30 to 50%. Good tips. Charles Bonfiglio, the president and CEO of Tint World, thank you so much for filling us in on the benefits of window films. I always thought of them as protecting furnishings, but now we can think of them as energy-saving improvements as well as those that can help make our home a bit more secure. Thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you so much. And if you'd like to learn more about window tinting, you can check out the Tint World website at tintworld.com. It's T-I-N-T world.com. All right, still ahead, snowy climate with no garage to keep your car? Well, that's okay. We've got some tips on how to park your car ahead of a storm to keep snow removal quick and easy when the Money Pit returns. You live in a Money Pit. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Wood-burning fireplaces may be charming, but sometimes they can remove more heat than they actually generate. Hi, I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Sugretti with today's Money Pit Home Improvement Minute. For the best efficiency, fireplace inserts are a better option. 
They're typically made of steel or cast iron, and they're fronted by insulated glass, which creates a closed combustion system within your existing fireplace. Now, some feature blowers that push the heat through vents and into your living space, operating more or less like a forced air heater. Inserts are available in gas, electric, or wood-burning varieties, and they can vent through chimneys with higher efficiency models able to vent directly through the wall to the exterior. Gas and electric inserts are the most efficient, but a wood-burning insert still provides better heat than a traditional fireplace and maintains that good old-fashioned view of the logs on the fire. I'm Leslie Segretti. And I'm Tom Kreitler. For more Money Pit home improvement tips, visit MoneyPit.com. You live in a Money Pit. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, guys, when it comes to the housing market, you might think of them as young, but America's millennials, guys, they are growing up and they're making their mark on the real estate market. Now, a whopping 30% of homes this year were bought by millennials, and those are people aged 25 to 34. And that is just the beginning of their impact. So, what does this tidal wave of millennial home buyers mean for your home and neighborhood? Find out more on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. Jan in Kansas is on the line with a home that seems to be cracking up. Tell us what's going on. Well, I've got a lot of problems. Uh, it's an old house. It's uh, over 50 years old. You have a lot of opportunities, Jan. Not a lot of problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got some cracks in the wall, and I have okay. one crack that is uh, going from the dining room to the kitchen, and I believe it's cracking on both sides of the wall. Same okay. crack. Uh, you said it's 50 years old. Do you know if it's plaster laugh? It's sheetrock. It's drywall? Okay. So, you know, fixing that is not a big deal. The thing is that most people usually fix it incorrectly. What they'll do is they'll try to spackle it. And by spackling it, you're pretty much guaranteeing that it's going to re-crack. What you have to do is, is sand down the area so you get rid of any glaze from the paint or dirt or anything like that. And then you're going to cover it with drywall tape. And you want to use the mesh type of tape that's sticky. So you put a strip of tape across the crack. And then you spackle right over that tape. And you'll use three layers of spackle. And the easiest way to apply this is if you buy the plastic uh, spackling knives. You can buy one that starts at around four inches. Then you go to six. Then you go to eight. And they're pretty inexpensive. And you use that to apply the spackle. And you sand in between each coat. And then you prime and paint and you're done. So those are the proper steps. Where most people go wrong is they just try to do a quick and dirty spackling job and they wonder why it cracks again and again and again. Because that's basically an expansion joint right now. And unless you spread the repair across both sides of it with new drywall tape, it will continue to show up. It's where snow is pretty common this time of year, but you don't have a garage. Yeah, it's a pain, I know. you got to clear off the snow and the ice off your car, but you got to do it. Now, in fact, in some states, it's illegal to drive around with a car that is not cleared off. And really, guys, it's just dangerous and not the brightest thing to do so. Uh, yes, but if you're smart, there are some ways to make this project easy. First off, learn a trick I learned a long time ago. If you've got a long driveway, get ready before the storm hits by parking your car at the end of it. Right? 
Seems simple. Well, I made that mistake once and never made it again. Uh, seriously, that's a lot more to shovel. It, that's right. And it's going to make the distance you need to shovel or clear a lot closer to uh, your end point, which is, of course, the street. Now, the same goes for parking spaces in a condo or apartment complex. Grab a spot uh, near that complex exit if you can. Yeah, here's another trick, guys. You want to put your windshield wipers up so that they don't freeze to the car's windows. Also, use a long-handled broom to get snow off the top of your car before you open the door. Otherwise, a heap of wet snow is going to fall right in and land on your seat, and then your butt's going to be all wet. It's not good, guys. And make sure you clear the snow around your headlights and taillights so people can see you. And if your driver's door is frozen shut, try all the doors. There might be ones that are facing the sun where the ice has already started to melt. And if you can't get in, Here's a trick of the trade from your home improvement toolbox. Grab the WD-40. It's a great lock de-icer, and it will really free up that lock and the seam around your door very, very quickly. Yeah. Now, what should you be keeping in your car if a storm does strike while you're at work? Well, you want a snow kit in your car. Now, that should include a scraper, a small shovel, broom, mittens, gloves, maybe even an extra pair of boots. You want to be prepared, guys. And remember... If you're miserable in the cold weather, in just a few months, you'll be complaining about the hot weather once again. (laughs) 888-666-3974. Let's get back to the phones. Who's next? Now we've got Ann on the line who's got a ceiling issue. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. Well, what happened is I have a large living room. At one time it had been two rooms, and they combined it into one. And one of the sections has a metal or a tin ceiling. And what I want to do is install a ceiling to match in the other section. I located the manufacturer of the ceiling tiles. However, I don't know who to call to do the installation because they could not provide me with any ideas. So should I be looking for a sheet metal person? Should I look for a tinsmith? Or so you, you okay. can't find a tin ceiling installer in the phone book. Is that what you're trying to tell us? Right. There's, there's <laughs> no one listed. Listen, it's not a hard project, Linda. It's really a job for, for a carpenter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a difficult project. A carpenter with a little bit of metalworking experience can handle this. And uh, I'm very impressed that you actually found the product because it's yeah, a little exactly tough what you're to find. For. Yeah. Right. So I would handle a good carpenter, a good handyman, really easy job to install that. And so that's the way I would take it. Oh, thank you ever so much. I really appreciate all your help. Jim and George is on the line with a concrete question. What's going on at your money pit? Well, I'm trying to find out what you'd recommend for this time of the year. Uh, and uh, time-wise is the thin year uh, weather, too. The area is about, say, 10 feet long. It's that gap. In the between the curb uh, where the driveway comes down to the road surface, and then there's about let's eh, say six or seven inches of space, and then you hit the the asphalt for the road, and it's about a two to three inch difference in gapping in height between the road surface and then the driveway. So in other words, when you hit the driveway, you have to dip down first and then drive you know bump up into the roadway. So I was trying to get a fill-in of concrete, of some kind of a concrete sacrete or something, to fill in that area you know, and kind of make it still where it, there's a little bit of a ramp to go up into the driveway, but at the same time raise it up high enough so it's not such a big dip between the road surface and the driveway. Jim, how big is the dip in the driveway? Is it more than two inches? Uh, it's Yeah, it's about uh, three inches, and it's about, mm. say, maybe ten inches you know, 10 to 12 inches wide. Yeah, and then going the length of the driveway, the entrance into the, to the driveway itself. That's okay. about the 10 feet 
long and about, say, 10 to 12 inches wide. Right, right. Well, here's the thing. When you patch concrete, you have to use a concrete that's designed for repair because it has the capability to stick to the old surfaces. Now, I know that Sacrete makes a product that's specifically designed for patches and repairs. They have a fast-setting cement patcher. That, however, is designed for an up to two-inch thick application. I'm not quite sure which product is designed for a thicker application than that, but my caution to you is that whichever product you choose, you have to make sure that it's a patching product because otherwise it's not going to stick. You can't use the same type of concrete that you would typically use when it's a new project like that because if you do that, it won't stick, especially when it gets wet, it can come apart. Do they have an adhesive that you can add to the uh, concrete or something as you're mixing it to... uh having a you know have a little bit of an advantage when you're mixing uh, something like this. Yeah, that's called a bonding agent. Uh-huh. And I believe that that's something that you can also add as you're mixing the surface, especially if you want to bond new concrete to old concrete, you can use a a bonding agent to do that. So, one way or the other, you either probably have to mix in the bonding agent or if you use a premixed product that's designed for patching, that's the the type of material that you'll use to fill in that gap. I just want to make sure that you do it once, you do it right, and you don't have to do it again. I would right. take a look at the Sacrete website. It's S-A-K-R-E-T-E. They have bonding and curing agents. They have the patching products right there. Just make sure you choose the right one. Don't buy products that are meant for new construction or a standalone project because it just won't stick. Is there a, a temperature range that uh, you know it should be working with or set up in, uh, you know, because... Here the temperatures are still getting down, uh, you know, below 32 degrees. Every product has its own temperature range that it's designed to work within, and that information will be on the packaging. Okay, and go to that website, and that'll have all the information on the product also. Yep, so just go to the Sacrete website at sacrete.com, S-A-K-R-E-T-E.com. Choose the product you want to work with, and the specs will be right there in terms of what the temperature range is. Excellent. Well, thank you very much. Enjoy your show. It's a great show. All right. Thanks so much for calling the Money Pit. Well, falls at home injure millions of Americans every single year. And a fall hazard hotspot in your house is your bathroom. We're going to share some easy advice on how to make that space much safer after this. You live in a Money Pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Lutron's new Maestro Occupancy Sensing Switch. Never ask, who left the lights on again? Starting at around $20, this motion-sensing light switch turns the lights on automatically when you walk into a room and off when you leave and works with all types of light bulbs. Learn more at LutronSensors.com. Making good homes better? Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Well, whether they live under your roof or just come by for occasional visits, a house with babies and kids is a house that needs to be child-proofed. If you're not sure where to start, we've got the step-by-step home child-proofing tips on our homepage right now at moneypit.com. All right. Post your questions as well on the website in our community sections, just like Trevor did, who writes, In our ranch-style home, we have a great room with cathedral ceilings. Can we put crown molding in there? Um, Probably not, because it's kind of an odd angle. You know, if the cathedral ceiling jumps up at, like, say, a 45-degree angle, 
the crown molding is only really designed to work with a 90 degree angle. And if you do it in that case, it may sort of frame in the room, maybe make it a little smaller. I mean, I think, Leslie, if you did want to put something there, couldn't use like, a, say, a band board? Maybe like a four inch or a six inch deep band board that was cut uh, with the angle of the cathedral ceiling right above it and sort of wrap that around as sort of a divider. But it's not the kind of space you typically would put crown molding in. You know, I think it's a good opportunity if you are insisting on using molding, you know, to frame out your windows or do an amazing baseboard. You know, think of it in a different way to bring molding into the space if that's really the look you're going for. But if you try to put a crown in at any height or in any way on the ceiling, it's just going to defeat the purpose because cathedral ceiling rooms are supposed to be so open and grand and soaring, and that's just going to squish it. Yeah, kind of like cathedrals. Exactly. (laughs) Well, every month of the year has a theme. In fact, many themes, I guess, depending on the industry you're in. And it just so happens that January is Bath Safety Month. And although there seems to be a month that's devoted to awareness for just about every problem, this one does deserve some special attention. Falls at home injure millions of Americans every year, and most of them happen in the bathroom. Leslie's got tips on how to make your home safer in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Yeah, you know, there are some simple things that you can change very affordably in your bathroom to make it a lot safer. So let's start. You want to use a non-slip mat or even install adhesive safety strips or those decals in your bathtubs and showers. Now, if you use a bath mat on the floor, choose one that's got a built-in non-skid bottom. Anything that you can do to reduce the slipping factor is highly important. Another thing you can do is install grab bars in your bathroom and your shower stalls. Don't use towel racks. They are not serving the same purpose as a grab bar or even those wall-mounted soap dishes. It's not meant to hold your weight, and they're not installed properly. And they can become loose. You can fall. Just a bad idea. And you can get grab bars that look really beautiful and highly stylized from a lot of the manufacturers of bath fittings. And you'll find something that's meant to do the job of what a grab bar is supposed to do, but look really fashiony and designing. So you don't have to sacrifice there. Another thing is you want to keep your floor clean and dry. So promptly clean up any grease or water or makeup or powder or whatever you might spill on the floor. Clean it up right away. Another thing is if you use throw rugs in your bathroom or pretty much anywhere in your house, You want to place them over a rug liner or choose rugs with non-skid backs. That's going to reduce your chance of slipping on this very common trip and fall hazard. You can even get double stick um, carpet tape and just adhere the rug to your floor. Just you got to be safe, guys. We don't want you falling down. If you want some more ideas on making your whole house safer, check out our article, Preventing Falls at Home at MoneyPit.com. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next time on the program, we're going to have some tips on pendant lights. You know, they're a very fun addition that can add some style to your space. But are they an electrical project you should handle on your own? We'll have the lowdown on these popular lighting fixtures on the next edition of The Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. 
Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.